What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of the Mike and Dave Podcast. This is Mike, and today we are going to be talking about football, uh, football playoffs. First of all, we have the college football playoffs to, to talk a little bit about. You know, obviously, Georgia has won, but we'll get into that. Then we have the NFL playoffs coming up. One of the well-timed, I guess, uh, sports events or, you know, an instance of good timing for the sports world. College football ends. NFL immediately swings into the playoffs. So we'll we'll bridge that gap on this episode. But before any of that, I'm going to kick it to Dave for off the top. For sure. And fun fact about this episode, everything but the fun fact will be football related. So uh, buckle your seatbelts, especially for off the top, because I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way, because we knew that this was going to be talked about at some point during this episode. And I'm going to go ahead and do an off the top about it. Um, so Mike, obviously... Unfortunately, Michigan did not prevail in their college football playoff semifinal versus TCU. And since Jim Harbaugh, there have been a lot of rumors that he it would potentially go to the Broncos or the Colts and you know move back into the NFL. So my question for you is, should Jim Harbaugh stay at Michigan? Yes, and I think there are, I mean, a couple of reasons, and I'm not even, none of these reasons are going to be, oh, because I want him to, though I do. I mean, let's be clear. Um, I haven't, I mean, you know, even like before this podcast, I've never wavered about Jim Harbaugh being the coach. Even though we had dark times, I've I've long said like, yeah, like even when we weren't beating Ohio State, I've said like, yeah, we're struggling but I still believe he gives us a better chance than other coaches would. Um, I think it would be a tough look for Jim Harbaugh to come out with a really bad showing. And I'm assuming we're going to talk more about Michigan later. So I'll focus on, right. You want me to focus on TCU Michigan later on? Yeah. This is just like to talk about the Jim Harbaugh rumor specifically. We can go a little okay. more into Michigan and you can have your your say about what happened later. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Well then this one's just gonna like I guess this is a sort of preview into that, but the coaching was not good against TCU, especially in the first half. And I think it would look really bad for Harbaugh to leave on that note. Not because they lost, but because you know, so much of what went wrong early on was coaching, not just him, but I think that would be a tough sell. You know, if they just happen to lose, whatever. Um, another thing, like the team, I mean, this is hard to say after that loss, but like the team has been ascending, you know, uh, we're still like building Michigan back up. Um, as it relates to Ohio State, he's finally crossed that off his list. You know, he 
He can beat Ohio State. He's done it two years in a row now. And, you know, Ohio State fans were really annoyed about losing to us again this year, so much so that they're talking about firing Ryan Day. And uh, Joel Klatt was talking about this on his show, but he basically said, like, it's not that Ohio State has stepped down. It's that Michigan has joined them on that upper tier of college football again. And I think it would be great for Harbaugh to stay like now that he has reached that level, I think he is among the top, like he is in the elite company, like or in the elite tier of college football coaches, right? There's Harbaugh and Saban at the very top, or sorry, there's Kirby Smart and Nick Saban at the very top of the list. And they're probably the S tier. Harbaugh is in the A tier right below them. Um, meanwhile, if he goes to the NFL, He's not going to be that high. He'll be a great coach. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he will be a good coach anywhere. But I think that it would be hard for him to like, he'd be he'd be taking a step down in terms of where he is relative to, relative to the rest of the competition. And, and finally, like a lot of good players are still going to be there at Michigan next year. Uh, I'm looking at like, you know, JJ McCarthy will be there as a second year starter now. Blake Corum is coming back. Hey, uh, that's good. Donovan Edwards will be there. Uh, you already know our offensive line is going to be nice again. Uh, Will Johnson stepping up as a freshman. Um, Colson Loveland. You know, like, we're going to have, like, big players. There's nothing to suggest that Michigan can't get back to the playoffs next year. This This game against TCU was rough but I think Harbaugh can still find success at Michigan. I, I still think we can do it. I don't know that him going to the Broncos makes, like, I don't know that that's what puts them into championship mode. Yeah. Well, anything would be better than what Nathaniel Hackett did. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically what you're saying is both as a fan of Michigan and just, what you think would be best for his career, you think staying at Michigan would be the right decision. Yes, that's that's where I'm at with it. Okay, cool. Just wanted to pick your brain, especially as, you know, we're, we're seeing more NFL head coaching vacancies. And with Michigan season over, with the college football season over, with those rumors, I was curious to see your take. So... That's it for Off the Top. When we come back, we're going to keep the college football talk going and break down the national championship game. Welcome back. And boy, I've got to say, and I think the majority of people out there would agree with me, that was embarrassing. That national championship game, I mean, pretty much as soon as it uh, was 17-7, to it just kind of felt like inevitable. Like TCU was not going to stop Georgia and the amount of pressure that Georgia was able to impose on Max Duggan. They just looked awful. They looked like deer in the headlights. They were not ready for prime time. They were not ready for the moment. Uh, you know, the, the plays that they were calling on offense run plays, play action screens, like 
if you know anything about Georgia's defense, those are the types of plays that you do not want to call against them. I don't know if TCU just like overthought it or what, but really the only play they had was that uh, busted coverage down the field and they were able to score after that. But I mean, what an embarrassing performance by TCU and uh, honestly, like what a dominant performance by Georgia. Like it was a perfect storm of a team that was not ready and a team that was beyond ready. Um, And it showed, and I've got to say, I mean, congratulations to Georgia, of course, but like, man, that was just, it was just sad to watch, honestly. Well, that game was a straight up beat down, uh, 65 to seven. That's the biggest blowout in a bowl game ever. Uh, Let that soak in that this was a championship game. This is supposed to be the best two teams in college football. And one of them got smacked around harder than like any team ever has in a bowl game ever. And like, think about how many bowl games there are nowadays. Like you have like 500 teams playing in bowl games now. And it's like, Oh yeah. Even they like, there's not even one random slip up game. That's been bigger than this. This is the national freaking championship and TCU got humiliated. They got stomped on, uh, Stetson Bennett is that guy. Uh, The play that sticks out to me that I wanted to talk about was right before halftime when TCU went forward on third and long from like, like within their own 20 or whatever it was, you know, oh, Sonny Dykes, I want to stay aggressive. We have to like send a message. Interception, Georgia scores again. Like, I, f- I feel like I knew before that that Georgia was going to win, but like when that happened, I was like, there is no chance. The stars are not in position for this right now. <laughs> um, it's like I literally like was laughing out loud when that happened because I was just like, well, that's what you get, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it is. Um. Uh, well, first of all, back to the bowl game thing for a second. The other, like the before Georgia blew out TCU, the previous biggest blowout in a bowl game was 2018 when Army beat Houston 70 to 14. And that's that's one of those things where it's just like, oh, yeah, two random teams like the fact that it's Army was kind of surprising, like that they put up 70 points. But yeah, the fact that it's in a in the national championship game, I'd. It's, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that, to be honest. Um, as far as TCU's performance, uh, yeah, it's just bad. As far as Georgia's performance, I'm going to give myself some credit. On our preview episode, I called Stetson Bennett getting two rushing touchdowns. To be fair, I said Brock Bowers would get two touchdowns as well. He only got one touchdown, but he got like 150 yards or something. So it's basically the same. So... I called it, but yeah, sets and Bennett. I mean, we, you don't need us to tell to tell you of what a great story this guy is. Uh, I mean, really going down is one of the best and most accomplished players in Georgia football history, which there have been plenty of, of them. So yeah, all the credit in the world to that guy. I'm going to be very in, intrigued to see 
how valued he is by the NFL. Uh, number one, because of his age. Number two, because of his stature. But you can't deny the results and the obvious like leadership qualities that he has and the, the skill and the talent that he that he's shown. I mean, I wouldn't mind Stetson Bennett as my backup quarterback. Like, I'll, I'll put that out there right now. So, yeah, I mean, Georgia, once again, like we were talking about in the preview, like they did not really seem like they were as good of a team this year as they were last year, but they were certainly good enough and they they certainly showed up in that uh, national championship game. I mean, realistically, it was almost like the game should have been reversed and the game versus TCU was the semifinal and the one versus Ohio State was the championship game based on uh, how closely they were played or not closely they were played. So, yeah, I mean, again, just kind of shocked that it got to that point. And, you know, remember when we were when we were talking about running up the score a couple episodes ago? Well, this is one of those things where I I felt bad for TCU, but also I was like, Georgia's just that good. Like, sorry, you're just getting outclassed. Like, you're just not good enough. You're trash. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it was kind of tough to watch, but also I was, I couldn't take my eyes off of it type of thing. Um, so this, this does have me wondering, when can we call Georgia a dynasty? Obviously, they've won back-to-back championships um they made the national championship game three years ago now four years ago now um and they continue to pull in top three recruiting classes every year i don't know can we call them a dynasty or do we need one more year of them making the playoff and being you know talked about as as potentially the best team in the country or like how long does a team have to be in that conversation with how many championships before they can officially be called a dynasty would you call clemson a dynasty like do you think clemson was a dynasty at any point in the last like 15 years maybe i mean it, it is kind of funny how like quickly these things come and go though because now clemson's kind of like an afterthought I mean, they're kind of like in that second tier, but for a long time, they were like, it was them and Alabama as the, as the top two. Um, I probably would, wouldn't say though that they were a dynasty because it was Clemson and Alabama with Alabama coming out on top more than Clemson did. I think when you're a dynasty, like you're not, you're not potentially second best. um, And for, Maybe not now, but um, for a good like decade plus, Alabama was that team. So I think you have to call them a dynasty, but I wouldn't call Clemson one. But I guess that's that's what's interesting is like, how long does Georgia need to keep up this level of play? Even if they don't keep winning every year, I mean, obviously if they three peat next year, then like one hundred percent. But it will be interesting to see now that they don't have some of these players that have been around for both uh, championship runs that are either graduating or going to the NFL draft. So, so here's my answer as far as if UGA is a dynasty. Um, 
and it you know it's harder to make a dynasty in college football or college sports just because there's quicker turnover you know in pro sports you have signed guys for seven ten fifteen years uh like the spurs had a dynasty with tim duncan for like two decades um in college football to me it's like i think you make a dynasty by surviving that like turnover and like you have different classes of players but stay competitive stetson bennett's about to leave um how does georgia handle replacing the starting quarterback that built them up like this um that that won back-to-back championships for them i think next year i don't think they have to win a championship next year to be a dynasty in my mind if they make the playoffs uh next year that's that's probably enough for me to 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 go there like oh they brought in someone new that hasn't really seen playing time and they didn't miss a beat uh because at that point you really get to say like and i'm not saying anything bad about kirby smart but at that point it becomes even more definitive oh even without this guy the coach didn't didn't take a step back he kept well i guess technically not winning the championships a step back but that's harsh um if if a new quarterback steps in under the coaching of kirby smart and they still like win or lose one game all season or something like yeah that seems pretty dynastic to me for sure so yeah so obviously major congratulations are in order to uga to kirby smart for really building up this program and being the difference maker um, from taking Georgia from what they were, AKA a good, but not great program to arguably the best one in college football right now. Actually, I don't even think it's arguably, I think they are the best program in college football right now. And it's up to anybody else to prove that they aren't um, after this back-to-back run. So yeah, obviously Great job, Georgia. It's been very impressive to watch. And I know probably a lot of people listening to this, and I know a lot of people that we know uh, are Georgia fans or Georgia grads or both. And, you know, happy for them. But, hey, Florida State looks pretty good towards the end of the season. Maybe it's time. Maybe we're back. (laughs) You never know. Hey, I saw a couple of way too early uh, rankings for next year. One of them was from ESPN. The other one was from Bleacher Report. Both of them had FSU in the top 10. So that's all I'm saying. It could be our time once again. I mean, it's probably not, let's be honest. But, you know, you never know. (laughs) Dave just out here putting good vibes into the seminal universe. Hey, it's been 10 years. Yeah, this year will mark 10 years ago. So... Hey, let's just make it like once every decade. National championship. Meanwhile, from Michigan, it's been 26 years. But who's counting? Me. That's who. Speaking of Michigan, is there anything you'd like to say? No, but I will anyway. Uh, You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. I feel like I do. Okay. You already know if if we don't talk about Michigan, it's just going to be like, we're going to hear it on social. Like, oh, why didn't you talk about Michigan? You're scared to talk about 
You certainly talked a lot in the preview episode about Michigan. Yeah. Oh, you were so confident. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Let's get it started. Um, so where to begin? Um, first of all, I was rooting for UGA in the championship game. The reason for that was if, um, if TCU had won, I would have been like, oh, Michigan should have beat TCU. And if TCU beat Georgia, then we probably could have beaten Georgia. And it would have made me even more mad about not beating TCU. So I was rooting for UGA. And that SmackDown made me feel better. Because I'm here to say, like, even if we had played our game against TCU and won, holy cow like i don't think we were stopping georgia either that was terrifying Mm -hmm. uh now would we have lost by 58 hell no but would we have beat georgia Uh -uh. (laughs) no 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 i doubt it highly highly doubt it give us about a four percent chance there uh so you know just save me save me the trouble of watching michigan lose in the championship Great. You know, thanks. I appreciate it. Okay. Why did we lose? Because we're trash. Um, no. My answer is a bit more nuanced than that. Uh, first of all, in well, we lost because of the first half. Uh, let's just put it there. Um, we didn't want it in the first half, or we were otherwise not properly motivated. I talked about this on the last episode, but all season, we'd worn teams down over the course of the game, and regardless of how we looked in the first half, sometimes good, sometimes bad, we ended up winning. Uh, The players seem to have that in their heads. Oh, we're a second half team, we'll get them in the second half, you know. Oh, we're, uh, we've got blown coverages in the first half, it's okay. Uh, we'll get them in the second half. Oh, our blockers aren't where they need to be. Not in the offensive line, but on the outside. It's okay. We'll figure it out. Oh, we're running bad routes. Oh, we can't hand the ball off. Oh, we make the quarterback's making bad read, reads on these uh, on these option plays. It's okay. We're a second half team. Well, yeah, but then you end up with like a 21-point deficit at half, like going into the into the halftime or whatever it was. Um, I... I don't remember the score going into halftime, but actually I think it was 21-6, now that I think about it. Um, the only person that seemed to care or was otherwise not like just resting on his laurels or whatever was Jake Moody, my man, the kicker. And what was so annoying was that he he broke his PR by like eight yards or whatever. He drilled a 59-yarder, the best kick of his career, and it was for nothing. Uh, he was the only one that was like, okay, no, we have to score points now. Um, yeah, so I think they got in their own heads about that, a little overconfident. I think that they thought that it was just going to be a wash, and they didn't take their opponent seriously. And it showed, you know. Um, play calling. So what I just said, first of all, that is coaching. But I blame the players more for what I just said than I do the coaches. The next thing I'm getting at is the coaches. Uh, this is 
um, all the way down. This is from head coach all the way down. Play calling, horrible. Defense looked unfamiliar with TCU's playbook on, in the first half. Offense did not look ready to go. And I'm going to point to the Philly special uh, in the um, in the first quarter. Why? I don't... Th- I've watched all but one Michigan game this season. I don't think I've seen that play this year. Why are we breaking it out there? Do what got you there. Everyone in the country knows this is a run-first, run-heavy team. That is what got us to this point. Run the football. (laughs) Like, come on. You have the best offensive line in football. Uh, You have one of the best running backs, even without Blake Corum there. It's what your team knows. Do it. Another point, uh, thing I want to talk about. Blake Corum's injury. Obviously, I'm not like mad at him. Crap happens, and I hate it for him. Uh, we were, in addition to Donovan Edwards, we were running Kalel Mullings, who spent most of the season playing linebacker and has taken like eight snaps on the season. And he you know, fumbles the handoff at the one, uh, so we don't get to capitalize on a big turnover. That becomes a turning point in the game. Uh, Do you think that if we have Blake Corum available, we don't just say, you know what, we're handing it to Blake Corum four times in a row. If you stop us, great. You're not going to. Like, Blake Corum does not drop that football. Blake Corum uh, keeps Donovan Edwards fresh and vice versa. So instead of alternating Donovan Edwards and Kalel Mullings and making us pass more than we want to in the first half, we just pound the rock with those two running backs like we had all year. That may that probably would have changed the outcome. And I hate to go this route because it's done every time. There were some bad calls, man. I'm not going to say that we lost because of them necessarily because... The reason that I've gone in the order that I have is that I think it makes more sense to point to all of these factors as reasons for our loss before the refs. You know, don't play the ref card as the singular reason you lose a football game. (sighs) However, uh, you're going to tell me that Roman Wilson touchdown wasn't a touchdown? Uh, You're going to take that one back? Uh, There were no calls for unnecessary roughness? Uh, there were no, like, there were next to no holding calls. Uh, you're going to not give us the Ronnie Bell touchdown. And here comes the big one. Targeting? Like, he speared him at the end of the game. You, you know what I'm talking about. Go back and watch that, uh, like, the last, TCU's last defensive play. Like, I don't know what is more textbook targeting than that. Like... Do we need to like roll the tapes of Vontez Perfect to figure out what targeting is again? And I have a theory for why they didn't call it. And it's not like, oh, we hate Michigan. Um, my theory is the refs weighed out like the consequence, right? They were like, okay, let's say we do call targeting here. Um, if we do, Michigan has a chance to come back and win the game, but it's unlikely. And that could affect the play or the game for the next like 40 seconds of action, give or take. 
if we but if we do this player's eject or is he can't play for the first half of the national championship game that's a big consequence of this one play if we don't call it he gets to play tcu fans aren't upset michigan probably wasn't going to win anyway and they just kind of wait it out um and I'm made a little more upset by the fact that they reviewed it and chose not to. If they just don't call it at all, it's one thing. But when you make us watch the replay on national television in front of millions and millions of people, and then you don't call it, that's bogus. So, players unmotivated. Uh, our best player hurt. Uh, coaching, trying to be cute instead of play to our identity. Um, and not have the players properly motivated. Um, on offense, on defense, um, poor, poor reads by the players. Um, JJ McCarthy made some big mistakes. Uh, referees with questionable calling or lack thereof. Like it was a, a bunch of factors that just had me numb watching this game. Um, yeah, it was, it was heartbreak from start to finish. Oh man, but I w like I said at the beginning, like at least watching the game uh, on Monday night made me feel like it didn't matter all that much. So at least there was that. The one silver lining is that you would have probably lost it anyway. <laughs> yep. uh, if I, I don't know if I've ever heard a more on-brand statement from Mike about mi his feelings about Michigan uh, than that. Uh, a couple of responses and then I think we'll, we'll move on. I can't understand why they decided to give it to a semi converted linebacker on the one yard line in that situation. Like if you want to be cute and mess around with that, when you're blowing some team out, some non-conference opponent in like we, you know, week four or something, then by all means do that. But it's not like Donovan Edwards can't punch it in. It's not like you, you can't do a, a QB sneak or even like everybody knows you're going to try to run it in. Just do play action, do something that you feel comfortable with. Um, so yeah, that one was definitely confusing for me. I also said in the previous episode that JJ McCarthy was going to be the biggest X factor. And I specifically mentioned the fact he'd only thrown three interceptions all season. He'd done a very good job of taking care of the ball. And what does he do? He throws two pick sixes. That's to me, that's the difference in the game. You lost by six, but he gave away 14 point. I don't know. I think one of the two point conversions was failed or whatever, but like he basically gave away two touchdowns because of that. Like that's unacceptable, um, especially in this type of game. So th that was pretty disappointing to see. And I I'm sure he's going to be kicking himself for a very long time about that and also like the the defense i mean it was it was terrible it was almost like uh both teams like did like a secret handshake before the game and were like let's just let's just put on a show for the fans like let's just not actually play if we are going to play defense it's going to be a pick six otherwise it's not going to happen um on both sides of the ball but we knew tcu's defense was not their strength Michigan's, it was supposed to be their strength. Um, running the ball, playing solid defense, and they weren't really able to do either of those things. So, yeah, it's it was just 
uh, an unfortunate performance. The fact that they only ended up losing by six is somewhat surprising to me, honestly, because of everything that went wrong. And they did show some fight uh, in the second half, which was obviously needed, but it was they'd kind of put themselves behind the eight ball and I don't think they were composed enough, um, especially on defense. Like right when they needed to stop, TCU would just score really quickly again. And it was just like, guys, <laughs> just get just get one three and out or just all you have to do is just not let them run past you. And they did. So, yeah, pretty disappointing. But uh, we'll see if Jim Harbaugh sticks around. But yeah, Corum returning is a, is a good sign for him. And I think Michigan's still set up pretty well. But yeah, that was that was definitely a, a disappointing performance. But again, like you said, I don't know really any any college football team that that could have stood a chance against Georgia in that championship game with the way that they came out. So um, that'll wrap up our breakdown of the college football playoff. And as you heard me say earlier about Florida State, we're already kind of looking forward to next season. So when we come back, we're going to switch gears just a little bit and mention some things to watch in the upcoming NFL playoffs. So stick around for that. So we just talked about the college football playoffs. Now it's time to preview some uh, points of emphasis, I suppose. Uh, we've, we each have a few to talk about. Uh, things that we're looking at in anticipation of the NFL playoffs. So Dave, what's the first thing that you're looking out for this year? First thing that I'm interested in, can the Bengals make it back to the Super Bowl? I know last year, we were certainly very off in our predictions of how the Bengals would do. (laughs) To be fair, I think most people were as well, but they managed to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Of course, they couldn't quite pull it out, but they're they're stacked again. And, you know, the Bengals started off the season 0-2. They lost to the Steelers in the first week, then they lost to the Cowboys in the second week. And I think people were like, oh, maybe it was a fluke. You know, maybe they're not set up for success quite like we thought that they would be. Nope. They went 12 and 2 the west the, the rest of the way and Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins uh that defense, the coaching, I think it's been so good there and just the culture that they've built. I think the Bengals are have have got to be for real. Um if you didn't believe after last season, then this season I think you have to. And I'm just very curious to see can the Bengals make it back? to the Super Bowl once again, especially because the AFC, that's pretty tough. I mean, you look at the the different playoff teams that I think pose an actual threat. The Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, like those are probably the top three teams, but even like their first game against the Ravens, that's a tough game. I mean, n- number one, they're division rivals anyway. But also, the Ravens' defense has been really, really good since Roquan Smith came back, which, by the way, he just signed a, a big extension to stay there. So, very interesting to see what Lamar's future will be after that like $100 million 
uh, contract that Roquan Smith just signed. But if Lamar can play when I'm, and I assume that he will, that won't be an easy game either. And then you've got to get through potentially the bills or the chiefs or both. So it's, it's going to be tough, but like at this point, it's kind of hard to bet against Joe Burrow. So I'm very interested to see if the Bengals can make it back low key. I wouldn't mind if they did. They're, they're fun to watch. I also wouldn't mind. Uh, Joe Burrow has such a likable swagger. <laughs> like he is like a fun guy to root for in my mind. Um, and the Bengals as a whole, I feel like are in a similar breath where it's like just from a, a neutral standpoint, they are uh, fun and likable. Uh, right down to their coach and Zach Taylor, who's done a great job with that program. Um, but yeah, that is, it is a tough road ahead of them. Yeah. And what I will say is if you, one more thing about Joe Burrow, if you compare him to like Josh Allen or you compare him to Patrick Mahomes, I think he, he doesn't quite stack up. Like, I don't know if Joe Burrow is going to be that guy to where he will be like an obvious, like, front runner for MVP. I don't think his game necessarily always translates to that. However, his teams win as we saw at LSU. Uh, it only took him a couple years to get the Bengals into the Super Bowl. Like he, I don't know if he'll ever be considered like the best quarterback in the NFL, but the Bengals got a really, really good one. Um, and I think Joe Burrow himself, even with all that swagger, he is not about himself. He is about the team and ultimately winning over his own stats. Uh, so yeah, it, it, especially when a guy's like that, it does make them easier to root for. I mean, think about like Stetson Bennett, whether we were talking about earlier, it's like, was he ever the best uh, quarterback in college football? No. I mean, he went to New York. We knew he wasn't winning the Heisman though. Like uh, there was Caleb Williams for that. But Stetson Bennett has won back-to-back years. There's, there's not always that, or actually not often that correlation between like MVP and champion. Uh, you can put up the best stats; it doesn't make you like the winner. And frankly, I don't think it really matters to Joe Burrow if he's like, sure, I won't win an MVP. I'm going to win this darn game, though. Well. To be fair, Joe Burrow did have arguably the best college football season ever by a quarterback and won the Heisman when they when LSE won the national championship. But in terms of the NFL, it's just a whole different ball game. And that one like LSU team with their offense was just absolutely crazy. And he just was just on another level. I don't know if he can translate that to the NFL necessarily like Mahomes has. Maybe he can, but I do think it's more about his like demeanor and the way he approaches it. Yeah, some players just do have that air about them, though. Like, however, like, whether or not it's because they're doing something miraculous, you do get that feeling that, like, they'll overcome, you know? So since we've been talking about Joe Burrow, I'm going to switch attention to a couple other quarterbacks, and that's uh, Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence, Chargers versus Jags in this first round. I mean, we've sung the praises of Justin Herbert plenty of times on this podcast. We already know how highly anticipated Trevor Lawrence was coming into the NFL, how great he was in college. 
and now his second year in the NFL. His first year without Urban Meyer, ha, uh, he's in the playoffs. It's also Justin Herbert's first year in the playoffs. Uh, so an interesting storyline matchup there. Uh, and I don't know exactly where to go with this. Uh, it seems to me that the Jags are have been more consistent and the Chargers seem a bit more volatile. Uh, Joe, or sorry, Justin Herbert to me has like the higher upside of this matchup, like at least, you know, right now. Um, I, if I were a betting man, I'd pick the Chargers, but I'm just looking forward to this battle. Uh, you know, they both want to make a splash in their first playoff game. Uh, also like, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, remember when the Jags like had an amazing defense and went to the playoffs and were really like a few games, a few plays away from going to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles? That was like not that long ago. It feels like forever ago. It was like five, six years ago. It was like 2017. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. That's just weird. It seems like an eternity ago. Uh, but props to the Jags for turning that around. I mean, they had the number one pick. Um, back to back years, and now they're in the playoffs. Uh, I know I already made fun of him, but take that, Urban Meyer, you're trash. Um, both on and off the field. Um, yeah, I'm, I just wanted to point out this matchup between these two uh, young quarterbacks and how excited I am to see this battle. For sure, yeah. A lot of credit has to be given to these two head coaches as well. Brian Staley for getting the Chargers to the playoffs. It's been a while. Uh, And, I mean, talk about a great hire for the Jags. I mean, Doug Peterson showed everybody what he could do with the Eagles, turned that team around, ended up winning a Super Bowl, and wasn't coaching for a couple years, I think. Ends up going back to the Jags. Maybe he just saw what no, not many other people could see and saw a lot of good pieces there. And, uh, you know, a quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, who he was eager to develop and it's really shown, you know, Trevor Lawrence has had a breakout season. And I, I think a lot of people were expecting him to be kind of the, the next Justin Herbert in a way of like coming out and immediately being so, so good. Um, it took him a little bit of time, which is often what we see with, with, uh, young quarterbacks, but he's really had a pretty good season for him. Uh, and all those like off season signings that the Jaguars made that were kind of quite like seemed somewhat questionable at times. Uh, you know, Christian Kirk, I liked Zay Jones. I thought was a decent receiver. Uh, Evan Ingram, I was not sure about cause he had not really done anything for his career up until the season, but I'll give them credit. They they knew what they wanted. They went out and got their guys, and all of those guys had career seasons. So you have to give the Jaguars props, especially Doug Peterson. Like, I think there are going to be some other head coaches that will probably get in ahead of him for coach of the year. But you, I've got to be honest. Like Going from the number one pick to making the playoffs and the impact that he's made, especially after the Urban Meyer fiasco, like, He's definitely in my top three for coach of the year this year. So, yeah, definitely an intriguing 
quarterback matchup for sure. Now, I want to switch gears over to the NFC now and talk about the 49ers. So, this is a team that in the first few weeks of the season lost to the Bears, the Broncos, and the Falcons. It certainly looked like all that 49ers hype was not going to come uh, to fruition. I know I was really high on the 49ers coming into the season. I was really excited about Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, it was going to be really, really exciting, especially with Debo Samuel's breakout last year and everything. Then, of course, Trey Lance out for the season early in in the year. Jimmy G has to step in again. And they're doing all right with him, you know, winning most of their games. Then Jimmy G gets hurt out for the season. In comes Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. And I've just got to say, this is this is up there for me in the best stories of the season. It's got to be. He has been absolutely unbelievable coming in seamlessly, really, executing that offense at a high level, distributing the ball to all of his playmakers. Of course, that trade for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you got to give them credit. They went out and they said Kyle Shanahan was probably like beside himself, like begging the the general manager and ownership to, to like, please let's give them all these picks. I just, can you imagine CMC in my offense? Like, this is what I need. Uh, and they, they went for it. And, he had kind of a, a slow start, um, but he, then he had that game where he had a rushing, passing, and receiving touchdown. <laughs> uh, so he's been really great for him. They've just been a really great story, uh, and they've won 10 games in a row. Their last 10 games of the season, they won, um, running away with the NFC West and arguably with the most momentum of any team in the NFL at this point. They face the Seahawks in the wild card round. Based upon what we've seen so far, uh, especially towards the end of the season, that should be a pretty easy win for them. I have to say, they beat the Seahawks in both matchups this season already. So, unfortunately for Geno Smith, who like in his own right has been one of the biggest stories of the year as well. Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith. Not many people would have expected that to be a playoff matchup uh, when the season started. But yeah, the Niners, they've made it to one Super Bowl uh, in recent years. Could not get it done there. Will they be able to make it again? It's looking like it could very potentially happen. Um, and Shanahan will have his, potentially have his opportunity to finally win the Super Bowl after going 0-2 so far in his career. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Freaking. Yeah. You really appreciate your brilliant offensive mind there. Uh, Except yeah. for the second half of the uh, Super Bowl, but whatever. Yeah. Hence, yeah. That statement I just made was honest for most of the season. The second half of the se- of the Super Bowl, sarcasm <laughs> at its heaviest. Mm-hmm. Um. 49ers, I would bet on against the Seahawks. I would not necessarily bet on them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, that that Brock Purdy-Geno Smith matchup is 
yeah, love the storyline. Also, shout out Geno Smith. His first season, like getting that start in Seattle, breaks Russell Wilson's uh, passing yards record for the Seahawks. Honestly, it's just too funny. Know. It really is. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, that is just too funny. Um, I mean, I, I've been a you know a fan of Russell Wilson for a long time, but yeah things like that happen you're just like man that is so ironic <laughs> especially as like a neutral it's just like wow uh what a master stroke uh by the seahawks i mean they, let's let's be clear they got lucky they did not expect geno smith to be this good and lead the nfl <laughs> on completion percentage and be a pro bowler all right but here we are i want to talk about the dolphins so dolphins Go back-to-back seasons, 9-8. and eight. The big difference being that um, last year they started off 1-7 and seven and then went on a slew of wins to get up to 9-8. and eight. This year they start off really strong and then they go into a big slump to end the year and fall to 9-8. and eight. Um, So two different paths to get to the same destination there. And I'm interested in how that's going to translate into this playoff matchup against the Bills, who, you know, um, thank God DeMar Hamlin is all right. Uh, Shout out to the Bills medical staff there um, who deserve all the credit in the world um, because that was a terrifying scene, uh, very, like, numbing. Uh, I mean... There are a lot of words I could use right now, but I think that's going to be the one that I'm choosing just because it's like, it was very like, oh, wow, you know, like, um, we watch football all the time, but this is like super real, um, almost like surreal in the sense that it's like everything stopped all of a sudden, like, you know, the the game didn't matter. Uh, we, we find out later on in the week that the game's canceled it. Did it really like it just seemed very trivial at that point um because there's like human life on the line um thankfully demar hamlin is doing a lot better he's been released from the hospital uh to go home the bills and nfl are in agreement that they will pay out the rest of his contract uh to go back into like the actually like, on-field discussion you know that the bills are going to want to win this for him uh want to represent him um, as their brother out there on the field. With the Dolphins' decline to end the regular season, plus that um, emotional factor for the Bills, plus plus the Bills just being fantastic, I would not bet on the Dolphins right now. But they do have weapons, you know. Uh, two is good. Uh, Tyreek Hill, we already know about him, plus Jalen Waddle. That is a fantastic duo of speedy receivers. So I'm not saying dolphins are trash or whatever, but yeah, that is one way to like stumble into the playoffs. And I think they will be summarily dismissed by the bills there. Well, I mean, I agree to be fair Tua has tested positive for his second concussion of the year. It's probably not going to play. And also in the games that Tua did play, the Dolphins were like eight and four or something in the games that he didn't play. They only won one game. So it really has been tied to the health of Tua. I, 
I mean, it's not surprising when you go from your starting quarterback to your backup quarterback. Not every team can be the Seahawks or the 49ers, but uh, yeah, I mean, credit to, to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, especially Tyreek Hill. A lot of people were doubting him and wondering how he was going to do in this scheme with Tua, but he was the second best receiver in football and only because Justin Jefferson went freaking nuclear this year. So yeah, Dolphins are not going to beat the Bills. I will say that with pre- with pretty much uh, 100% certainty, maybe like 98% certainty. But they do have offensive weapons, um, and they definitely, like the 9-8 and eight does feel different. I have to say Mike McDaniel has done, I think, a good job at, at head coach this year. I've enjoyed watching him. He is also just a character. It's just... It's just kind of fun to to watch his like mic'd up segments and on the sideline and stuff. But yeah, especially the Dolphins defense has not been very good. So there's no chance that they beat the Bills in my opinion. Now, last but not least, my third thing, the Vikings. So if you've been paying attention to the NFL this year, you know that the Vikings have uh, won the NFC North you know that Justin Jefferson has had an amazing season. And you also probably know that they have been the kings of winning the close game. They've won more close games in the regular season than any other team ever has in the history of the NFL. Will that carry over into the playoffs? That is the big question here. They actually ended up with a negative point differential on the season which is kind of mind-boggling to think about when you consider that they won 13 games and lost four. Like, how do you have a negative point differential if that's the case? To be fair, it was negative three. But still, like, all those losses were freaking blowouts. And you just gotta hope that the game... Like, obviously, like we don't see a bunch of big blowouts in playoff games in the NFL like we might do in college football because of the nature of the NFL being professionals and the coaching and everything kind of being a step up. But if it is a blowout, you could almost rest assured that the Vikings are going to be on the receiving end. (laughs) They're not going to be the ones dishing it out. If you're a Vikings fan like I am, you're almost wishing for a close game because Historically, this season, the Vikings have been able to come through in the clutch, which if you've paid attention to the Vikings for the past few seasons, especially under Mike Zimmer, that was not the case. Uh, They were the opposite of clutch. Uh, So Kevin McConnell, so much credit goes to him. I think he's also up there in front runner of uh, coach of the year or one of the front runners at least. So very curious to see what happens with the Vikings Obviously, for my sake, just win the, just go out and win the Super Bowl. Come on. Justin Jefferson, you had a couple bad games. Put that behind you. Dominate everyone in the playoffs. I know that you, that you can. And let's be honest. The Vikings are facing the Giants in the first round, which, like, surely the Giants aren't going to blow out the Vikings. And as much credit as I'm going to give to the Giants and Brian Dable for coming in there, making the playoffs. I certainly was not anticipating the Giants making the playoffs at the beginning of the season at all. This is a game that the Vikings should win. 
both on talent, on how they've performed this season. Uh, but anything can happen. I am just hoping for a lot of close games and a lot of Vikings wins uh, moving forward. And hopefully we'll see them in the Super Bowl. There are a lot of teams in the playoffs that I like, or like at least like find likable. But the Vikings are probably the team that I'd be rooting for. Um, with the exception of one goat, Tom Brady. Why not win another one? Uh, my uh, my third note for the playoffs this year is literally Tom Brady question mark. Um, the Buccaneers, 8-9, and nine, winning the NFC South with a losing record. Uh, NFC South is the new NFC East, the trash heap of football, but one team gets to make the playoffs anyway, because that's how, that's how the NFL playoffs work. You know, when your division, you're in awesome. Um, here's the thing at this point, it doesn't matter that they were eight and nine because it's single elimination. Uh, one game, winner moves on. And so now I'm not being asked like, oh, well, what about the eight? No, now I'm just looking at like, okay, Buccaneers are playing the Cowboys. Who, who do you trust more? Who do you think is going to win that game? I think the Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, we're facing, we're facing a pinnacle of recent postseason success here in Dallas Cowboys, you know? It's a lot of reason for me to doubt tom brady uh so i put them past the cowboys that's step one uh next would be the eagles assuming the vikings and 49ers win that's tough and i like okay hang on i haven't always liked the eagles um but i like this eagles team um i like jaylen hurts i've liked him ever since he was at alabama and my man Brandon Graham is still still kicking it, you know. Um, get you another. Why not? Um, I don't know that the Buccaneers beat the Eagles. Uh, but as I've said my entire life, I will not bet against Tom Brady. So to come back to the note that I have for this game, Tom Brady question mark. Dude's 44 years old, 45. Some something that's so old that he shouldn't be playing professional sports anymore, but here he is doing it anyway. Um, in his worst season ever, it's his, it's the only season of his career as a starting quarterback where he's had a losing season. But now it just becomes win or go home. Uh, win one game, you stay alive. Uh, and it you win four games, you win the Super Bowl. Yeah, sure. He's done it before, more than anyone else, by a long shot. I, you know, why not? I'm sure you're about to tell us why not. But, <laughs> um, what, what to which I say, be my guest, but I will, I still won't bet money against. What him. I'll say is, if Tom Brady manages to pull this one off, it will be the most impressive one that he has won up to this point, and there are a lot to choose from. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this Buccaneers team is kind of like. They won by default. Realistically, they shouldn't be a playoff team, but they just happened to play in a really, like, the worst division in football, and so they're there. It's almost like 
Tom Brady is coming in. To be fair, he had a very a couple of really good showings at the end of the season. Maybe he's got a chance. The issue, his offensive line is not very good. And as we've seen throughout his career, when he has a good offensive line and time to throw, he can he will he will beat you. Um and that hasn't changed. It's just he doesn't have a a lot of time to throw, you know, this season specifically. Even with all of those pass catchers, how much? I mean, how often do we harp on offensive line and defensive line play on this show? Like, it doesn't matter if you've got all these weapons if you don't have time to distribute them or distribute to them. So, not not to mention the fact that the defense has not been as good as it, it was. They have so I mean they have so many guys who are going to be free agents after the season. Like the Buccaneers will have the potential to look like a completely different team next year. And a lot of these guys are are older. You can kind of tell that they just they've lost half a step or a full step in some cases from the Super Bowl team of a couple years ago. So I don't think that they can do it. I mean. I think Tom Brady can play well and it's still not be enough. However, go Bucks, beat the Cowboys, and then after that, I don't really care what happens, but like, please beat the Cowboys. That'll just be so funny. Um, and yeah, if it's Tom Brady versus the Cowboys, like, regardless of how bad the Bucks have looked at times this season, like, I've got to go with, with Tom Brady on that one. Glad to hear we're in agreement, at least on that one, but it's easy to, I mean, we, we don't like the Cowboys. Sorry, I know a couple people that listen to the show that actually do like the Cowboys. I I like you as people. Uh, I don't like your team. I'm sorry. I'm not. Also, I like my goat. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Uh, but uh, I guess it's it's been made clear who we're rooting for. Uh, if you're Dave, rooting for the Vikings. If you're me, you're rooting for the GOAT. And if not him, then I'll also root for Vikings in solidarity. Uh, but let us know who you're rooting for. Also, let us know any storylines that we didn't talk about. That, like, If you want to hear our thoughts about any storylines you have in mind over social media, let us know at uh, Mike and Dave Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But that is all that we have to talk about for this segment. So when we come back, we'll get into the typical hot seat fun fact and close out the show. Okay, so we have reached the time in the episode uh, that we get to our hot seat and fun fact that we do every episode. Uh, Starting with the hot seat, we've already mentioned this guy earlier in the show for his swagger. And now it's time to expand on that a little bit. Dave, who's on the hot seat this time? It's Joe Burrow. And not for a bad thing. It's just like this is a perfect encapsulation of what we were talking about. So after the Bengals clinched the AFC North, he was asked what he thinks, what he considers the Bengals championship window to be. Joe Burrow responded by saying, 
the windows my whole career which is just savage but like just the right amount of confidence to where i'm like i respect that answer but i also like don't hate you um it's just like fair enough uh so yeah i mean and to be fair from how he's looked so far and what we know about him i wouldn't necessarily disagree uh i don't know if they're going to make the super bowl every year but i respect him for that answer yeah same to me it's the perfect like mix of swagger i feel like i've said that word so many times today but it's applicable for joe burrow you know uh it's the perfect mix of that like confidence and uh and moxie with also like what you want at like coming from the leader of your team you know if if i were i don't know a receiver or something on the Bengals. I would want my quarterback saying that like he's confident on, on any given year. I mean, why not? What else do you want him to say? Like, oh, you know, the next three years after that, we're trash. You know, like I don't trust us moving forward. You know, I feel like we're going to age out and, you know, yada, yada, yada. No, you don't want to hear that. You want to hear a guy that feels like on any given year, any given game, you can win. And that's what he's provided. That's to me, that's what makes Joe Burrow Joe Burrow likable, and he backs it up. Like like we said earlier, at any given game, he seems to at least give you hope that he'll win, or you know, hope assuming you're rooting for. It. Like you feel like it's doable. Agreed. Now, now speaking of, hmm, speaking of all the all of these things, swagger, moxie winning personality and me just hoping that it'll go well dave's fun fact whoa bro i was with you until that last one um i mean yeah yeah you know but i respect it but yeah it's time for my fun fact of the episode and this one's going to be a short one but i did think it was pretty interesting so out of our five senses smell is actually the one that most affects our mood. So apparently, research shows that there's a 40% improvement in mood after being exposed to pleasant scents. Scents being S-C-E-N-T-S. And 75% of all emotions generated every day are due to smell. Which almost seems like that doesn't even, that's not even accurate, but apparently it is. And when you think about what you see visually versus what you smell, apparently scents have a more like visceral reaction than images do. So, and that goes to also with like, with taste, apparently smell is like makes up more of what your brain perceives taste to be than your actual taste buds do. So it's just very interesting that like your nose has such an effect on all these different things that you do in your everyday life. So my mind went two places when you said that, uh, and I'll share both of those. One is I think a little more intelligible than the other. Uh, number one, I have read a study that says like your olfactory, um, perceptions can be linked like very strongly to subconscious memory that I found very interesting. Uh, like 
you can s- smell like freshly chopped grass or whatever, freshly cut grass or whatever, and it'll take you back to like childhood or, you know, uh, people have different experiences like that. Oh, I walked into this room and this person uh, had one of those wallflowers that smells like, I don't know, fudge or whatever. And it made me think of being a kid and walking in the kitchen. My mom was baking fudge. Like stuff like that happens a lot um, because it unlocks like, or not unlocks, but like triggers a certain part of the brain that isn't triggered as much by other things. Um, so yeah, smells crazy. The other direction that I went with this was like when you said we have more visceral reactions to smell. I was just like, yeah, like, you know, if you're on the Marta or whatever and you see like, oh, that guy's like not good looking, you you might not like frown or whatever. You're just like, oh, well, you know, I'll keep that comment to myself. But if he walks past you and he has B.O., you're like, oh, my gosh, like keep walking. I mean, that is true. I guess it it does. Like if you smell something bad versus you see something that's unattractive, like your reaction is stronger when you like to the smell. One thing that I thought of when I, when I saw this fun fact was I've never been a big like candle burning type of guy, but after like reading this, it kind of makes a lot more sense. Why sense why people are so into burning candles like with smells that they enjoy is that whether they know it or not, they're probably get put in a better mood because of it. And therefore like are just happier and whatever. And then associate that with their candles. So maybe I'm going to turn into that. I mean, I'm getting married and my future wife very much enjoys lighting candles. So I'm sure that regardless of, whether I liked it or not, that would happen. But I'm like more open, definitely like more open and even like kind of excited about it than I would have been before. Cause I'm like, this actually improves my mood while I'm chilling at home working. Uh, then like, by all means, like I'm down for it. I will say, I mean, to that effect, my girlfriend moved in with me a few months ago and I was in the same boat as you. Like I would, I owned like a candle at a time. Right. Um, and I only ever lit, like when I was living alone, I only ever lit the candle, like to overpower, um, another scent, uh, you know, but like if, if I had made bacon or something, you know, I don't love the smell of bacon lingering. So I'd light a candle there or whatever. Um, wait, my girlfriend loves, wait, 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 wait. you don't enjoy the smell of bacon lingering. I love walking into a kitchen where bacon is being made, okay. you know, where it's like, oh, that smells so good. Let me add it. Okay. But I hate like walking into a kitchen and being like, oh, bacon was made here six hours ago. Okay. That's fair. Part of, part of that is like, cause I know I can't have any, but the <laughs> other part is like at that point, it's still like the grease, you know, you can't, you don't want to clean the grease right away. It started to solidify. It's not. Yeah. I got you. Um, it, it smells dirty. Um, anyway, my girlfriend loves candles and wallflowers. And I will say like, I feel like the mood around here is a lot better. Like just walking around like, oh, I entered this room and it smells like cherry blossom or whatever the hell. Like, I I enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and on that note, it's probably 
time to wrap up this podcast, uh, this episode of the Mike and Dave podcast. We appreciate all of you listening out there. If you are a Georgia grad, Georgia fan, or both, congratulations. Uh, nice job, Georgia. We'll see if y'all can three-peat next year. Um, and if Please don't. <laughs> and if one of your teams is in the NFL playoffs, uh, best of luck to you, unless, of course, you're a Cowboys fan. And looking forward to watching all the NFL playoff games. Uh, I really enjoy this time of year uh, and getting to see who ends up coming out on top and making the Super Bowl. Uh, if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, then be sure to give us a rating uh, slash review on whatever a podcast platform you are listening to us on. Um, we appreciate that. And it also helps the podcast get out to more people um, and I guess Apple to or Spotify or whatever to recommend it to, to more, to more of you. So we appreciate it. If you have not already done so to go ahead and do that, it just takes a couple minutes to do um, and we would appreciate it. We appreciate all the support we get from you, uh, whether that's, liking us on the listening platform, sharing us on the social media. I know some of you do um, liking the posts, interacting with us, letting us know your thoughts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave pod. And just, you know, listening, uh, well, I was going to say week to week, but I guess episode to episode. Um, it feels good knowing that like, we're not just talking to ourselves here, but that there are people that actively listen and support us. It means a lot to us. And, that's I think like that's why I'm so eager to hear your thoughts because I want that interaction with the people that make it better to do what we do. Um, looking ahead, like before too long, we'll have NFL draft material for you. Uh, the uh, NBA season is in full swing. Uh, you know. We've got all that's all of this to say. We've got a bunch of material lined up that's going to be good for you. We are also approaching episode fifty, uh, coming up in a few episodes. So, good things on the horizon. But all of that's for the future. Uh, for now, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave podcast. <laughs>